Hey, did you know that Christmas is two weeks away? Right? All right, we're going to do a church poll, okay? And no lying, because this is church. You're going to get in trouble if you lie, okay? All right, church poll, ready? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it by show of hands, okay? First, how many of you are done shopping for Christmas? And I will count one present left as done. Because that's me. I got one present left, and I'm done. Okay, okay. How many of you guys have a, have a pretty good start on it? You're halfway through it. Hands? Okay, and here's the terrifying one. How many of you guys haven't bought a single present yet? Oh my goodness, that's okay. Put your hands down, it's okay. No shame here. No shame here. It's a place of safety, security. We're all friends, all family. It's all good. Man, it's, it's right around the corner. And, and you know, kind of because of our culture um, in, in our country, um, Christmas is so closely tied to, to gift giving. It, it's, it's so to- closely tied. It's just part of our of our thought process on what Christmas is, is giving and receiving gifts, and it's, it's kind of part of what we do, and there can almost be a lot of pressure involved with it, can't it, to get the right present for the right person, and trying to balance all that out. Um, have you guys ever got a really bad gift? So there was this time a few years ago where Amy and I got this gift given to us, and don't worry, it's none of you, okay, so if you're worried, like, was it my, it wasn't, okay. But someone gave us this gift, and we got it, and we were like, I, I don't want this. Like, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to do with it. It just didn't make sense. We're like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say about this. I remember us talking about it. We're like, well, we could throw it away, but that's just mean. It's too nice to throw away, and I guess we could donate it. And then the comment came up, what if we re-gifted it, right? <laughs> re-gifted. Do you guys know what re-gifting is? Yeah. Taking a present that you get and giving it to someone else instead. It became really popular in the 90s for you people who love to watch Seinfeld, right? Because there was that whole episode about regifting with the label maker. It was a big deal, but it kind of became more popular after that of the idea of regifting. Just for reference, if you're ever going to regift, you have to make sure you write on it right away who gave it to you for fears that you would give it back to them. It's like the most embarrassing situation ever. But we talked about it, and we're like, well, we could re-gift it. But then we decided not to, except Amy reminded me, reminded me last night. She said, yeah, but we did re-gift that other gift. Do you remember that one? And I was like, I forgot about that one. So we did re-gift one, but we didn't re-gift this other one, mostly because we thought, we don't want to be known as people who give that bad of gifts. So we're like, no, we don't want to re-gift this one. If you guys have gotten bad gifts, maybe some of you have done this. Let's do this. One more church poll um, just to go through. How many of you guys have re-gifted? You will probably say, yep, I've done it. All right, awesome, awesome. How many of you guys, this is an offense, don't worry, we're not going to start a fist fight. How many of you guys would say, I think re-gifting is a little bit faux pas, right? Like, I don't think you should do it. Anyone else? Not very many. Okay, rock on. The thrifty bunch. That's awesome. All right, but then let's all be real. How many of you guys have gotten a gift where you thought, I thought about re-gifting this and giving it to someone else, right? Okay, I'm not just on my own there, right? It's so hard when you get those gifts. My mom taught me well, though. When I was from being like a little kid, whenever we go to Christmases, she'd tell me, when you open a present, it doesn't matter if you already have one. It doesn't matter if it's the worst thing ever. You smile, you tell them it's great. You make sure, because they bought you a gift. And I'm, I'm terrific at it. So... I remember the one time I came home from Christmas, and I was like, here, you can return this. And she's like, really? You seem so excited. I said, you taught me well. You taught me well. I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. But regifting, giving away something. And normally, the reason why we think of regifting is because it's something that we don't want. 
And we want to pass on that unfortunate reality to someone else, apparently. I don't know. But what if, what if this Christmas, what if this Christmas you could re-gift something that you actually really, really enjoy? Instead of re-gifting something you, you despise or don't want or don't like, you could re-gift something that you enjoy. And what if, instead of you re-gifting something that you know when the next person opens it, they're going to be like, great, thanks. You re-gift something that actually could be the best present that they open all Christmas. What if we could re-gift like that? Here's my, my big idea, and I'll just break it out for you and go from there. This Christmas, I want you to re-gift an invitation. Re-gift an invitation. An invitation is a really, really simple thing. It, basically, an invitation, if, for my definition, it means this. Come with me and see. Come with me and see. That's all an invitation really is. But see, the thing is, is invitations are dramatically powerful when we think about it. It seems like such a simple little thing, but for most of us, the greatest things in our life came by way of invitation. Think about it. Some of the greatest experiences we've had, some of the greatest opportunities came through somebody offering us an invitation. One of the greatest ones ever, one of the greatest invitations I ever gave was down on one knee to my girlfriend Amy, where I said, I invite you, would you come with me and see what it would be like to be married? And she said, yes. Those are those invitations, they change our lives, they can radically shift where we're going, these, these invitations to things. And for most of us, that's our story with our faith. For most of us, one of the best gifts we ever got was somebody was crazy enough, courageous enough, kind enough to say, hey, would you come with me and see? For all of us that are here real quick, one more poll. How many of you say the reason why I'm at this church is because somebody invited me? I got an invitation. Awesome. A whole bunch, right? The majority of people say the reason why I'm here is someone said, come with me and see. And I came and I saw and for a lot of people, that's our salvation story, is, is I didn't know everything, didn't everything figured out, but someone said, would you just come check it out? And when I came, I heard it made sense, and I developed a relationship with Jesus Christ. So what I want for you guys is for all of you who've experienced this invite, or maybe some of you haven't, but you're at this place where now you've kind of, you've gotten the benefits of the same type of situation, would you re-gift an invitation this Christmas? If you've received it, would you re-gift that to someone else? Man, and it could be the greatest Christmas present they get this season. Believe it or not, this idea, this concept of re-gifting an invitation is in the Bible. You would not expect that, right? Re-gifting in the Bible, but it's here. It's actually in John 1, 35 through 42. I'm going to read this story with you, and we're going to take a look at it, okay? You can read on the screens if you want or listen along. It says this in Luke 1, 35 through 42. The following day, John, and that was John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. That's that same title like we just talked about. Isn't that cool? It says, When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. See, Jesus offers an invitation. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. 
Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And check this out. Jesus offers this invitation to these men, and one of them is this man named Andrew. He says, come and see. And Andrew starts walking with him and realizes, this is the guy we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. But he doesn't just want to keep it to himself. He goes and he runs and finds his brother. And he re-gifts this invitation. He says, we found that guy, the Messiah, the one they've been talking about. Come with me and see. And Peter goes with him. He meets Jesus. And he begins to follow Jesus as well. This is such a cool story because for so many of us, one of our biggest fears is inviting family, isn't it? Huh, right? Because they know everything about us. They know all the flaws and all the failures. But you see, Andrew did. He walked up to his brother. And who knows you like a brother, right? The one that beat on each other. They made fun of each other. All those embarrassing things. But Peter saw something in Andrew that that sparked an interest. And he says, okay, I'll come and I'll, I'll see this guy. And he goes with him. But here's what's so cool. You never know what God wants to do through one invite. Most of us can't think of anything, any stories after this, of the Apostle Andrew, can we? None. There's almost no stories about the Apostle Andrew in the rest of the Bible. He's with them as they go through, but he doesn't stand out. He's not really there very often as far as being the the, the main guy, but... If we've been in church for any length of time, almost all of us have had stories about, about Peter, haven't we? Peter's the guy. He's the one who Jesus interacts with so much. He becomes one of Jesus' three closest friends. And in fact, when Jesus leaves, he says, Peter, you're the guy who's in charge of the church. He leaves Peter at the reins of the new church that he left behind to say, you're the one who leads it. Think about this. Andrew doesn't get really any more play But he's the reason why Peter, the leader of the first church, was there. Just because he was willing to re-gift an invitation. You see, you never know what God wants to do just through one invite. You never know. How many of you guys have ever listened to the great preacher, Albert McMakin? Anybody? No? Albert was a young man, about 24 years old. The reason why you haven't heard him preaching is because he's not a great preacher. That's if you're wondering. That's... (laughs) You're not a bad person. You're like, oh man, I failed. No. He's about 24 years old, fell in love with Jesus, and he wanted to start inviting people to come and meet this man Jesus that he had met. And there was this one guy that specifically stood out to him that he really, really liked, but he said he was too cool and too popular. The ladies liked him too much, and he said he was almost just a hard case to think about getting him to come to know Jesus. But he was going to this revival, and he ended up talking to him and inviting him, and finally he got him to go by basically asking him, would you just at least come and drive the truck full of people? we got to get him there. Everyone's busy. Could you just do it? And the guy said yes, and he drove him there. Came in, and he listened to the message, came back the next night. As he went to this revival, he ended up walking forward and giving his life to Jesus. Now that man who drove the truck was a guy named Billy Graham. A guy named Billy Graham who went on to preach to more than 200 million people live in his life. Think about that. More than 200 million people saw him live over the course of his preaching lifetime in over 185 countries around the world. You see, most of us 
aren't going to be Billy Graham. But all of us can be Albert McMakins. All of us can be the person who just sees that one person and invites them and says, come with me and see. And you never, ever know what God might do through one invitation. The reaction could be, man, just, just mind-blowing, mind-shifting. And I'm telling you, not even just in regards to, the, to, to eternity, not just even in regards into, into the spiritual realm, which, of course, is, is so important. But I'm telling you, God can do great things through just a couple invitations. I'll tell you a story. When I was in high school... I started getting really serious about my faith. Up until then, I kind of played both sides, and it was kind of just, it was, it was hell, to be honest with you, of being just Christian enough to not fit in at school and just, you know, popular enough to not fit in in my Christianity. And I finally decided that I really just wanted Jesus and, and that alone. I started pushing into it. I remember sitting at um, my, my lunch table, and there's this crazy, fiery redhead kid that sat across from me at my table. And uh, I kind of knew him. We were kind of buddies, but not, but not really. And he asked what I was doing that Friday night. And I said, uh, Friday night, I said, I'm actually going to a Bible study. And he says, a Bible study? I said, yeah. I said, um, it's actually with our youth ministry. And I said, you know, you should come. And, you know, I kind of said it as like a, you know, like a lark. Hey, you just like, hey, you should come. And he says, okay. And he came. And, and he came back. And he came to our youth ministry. And, and he gave his life to Jesus. He became one of my friends. His name was Ryan Simpson. Right now he's over, overseas serving in the military. And what's interesting is then when we started this church, we started planning this church and working it on out, Amy had a friend who she went to high school with. And she told this girl when we started planning this church, you should come with me and see. You should come check out this church. It's, it's different. It's not like the church you'd experience. And, and she came. And she gave her life to Jesus. She got plugged in and started serving. She became one of our kids' coordinator. Her name is Sarah Abbott. And then these two met. And they fell in love. They got married. And they had a little baby, Eli, who's here this morning. He's less than one years old. Listen, it all just came through an invite. All of those blessings and all that amazing stuff that you see where you're like, wow, how does this all happen? It happened because of an invite. Because you were willing to say, you know what, come with me and see. You never know what God wants to do through just one invite. It could change somebody's life here on earth. It could change someone's eternity. Regift an invitation this Christmas. I'm telling you, it could make a big difference. The story with Jesus continues. Let's jump back into the verse real quick, okay? Right back here at John 1, 43 through 49. What's interesting is this takes place the very next day. The story just kind of continues. There's this first day, the story with Andrew, with Simon Peter. And the very next day, it says this in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Again, another invitation, right? Philip was from Bethsaida. (coughs) Excuse me. Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We've found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? So we see Nathanael, okay, right? He is the grumpy old guy, isn't he? He's the grumpy old guy who you'd invite. They say, oh, yeah, he's from Nazareth. And he goes, Nazareth, right? He's one of those guys with their arm crossed with that sour face. Anything good come out of Nazareth? I love Philip's answer. He just says, look, come and see for yourself. 
Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know this about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Man, it's awesome, isn't it? Philip gets this invite, and he decides to re-gift it to his buddy Nathaniel. He says, I know this guy Nathaniel, he's a hard case, but, but he's got to hear about this. And he goes, and of course, he just kind of gets this, this stiff arm right away. And Nazareth, and he says, come and see. Come with me and see. And he comes, he meets Jesus, and he begins to follow him. He becomes one of the disciples. Listen, for most of us, we get so worried about what people's responses are going to be to us. We get so worried that, that somebody might, might cut us off or say no or be offended or something like that. I'm telling you, sometimes the hardest people, the ones you least expect would say yes are the people who will say yes. Sometimes the Nathaniels, the Nazareth, what? Would you want to come to church? Church? Why would I want to come to church? Okay. Sometimes the hardest cases are the ones who end up coming. I'm telling you, some of you guys, you uninvite people in your mind before you even invite them. There's people who God's put in your life, and you add up the facts, and you go, they would never come, so I'm not going to even bother inviting them. And you uninvited them before you even got to invite them. Give them a chance. A hundred percent of the people you don't invite don't come to church. You get that? 100% of the people you don't invite don't come to church. I'm telling you, sometimes it's that, that least expected. And sometimes that no isn't such a big deal. Because here's the deal. No isn't a bad answer. We get so worried that, that no is, is, is going to happen and it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to crush us when they say no. But I'm telling you, no isn't a bad answer. No is okay. Because listen, no is another rung on the ladder towards yes. Every no is another rung on the ladder towards yes. There has never come a yes that wasn't built on a foundation of no's. Time and time again, no, 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 yes. I'm telling you, that happens. And every time someone says no when you invite them, it shouldn't crush us. Instead, you think that's one more rung. One more step closer. I'll come back. I'll get you again. Don't worry. That opportunity will still be there. I'm telling you, God is sovereign and he's working in those people's lives. He's working. It might not be now, it might not be next year, but there's another rung on the ladder. You're moving towards yes. Soon and very soon. I'll tell you just another story. This is my father-in-law, Bob. I never really got to know him much all the way through courting my wife, um, up through marrying her. Uh, I only met my father-in-law once, actually, all the way up through that. And... Uh, when, when him and his wife split up, they didn't really have much family interaction, unfortunately. But, but Bob was still, he had a relationship with his kids to an extent. And, and Sarah, my sister-in-law, would drive him to work all the time. She'd pick him up and give him rides. And, and Sarah was extremely consistent on telling her father, Dad, I love you. Would you come to church with me? And Bob's not like he's some sort of like sour grump. But Bob is just a guy who would say, nah, I, I don't want to go to church. And she was okay with it. Okay, Dad, I, I love you. Would you want to come to church with me? And he'd say, no, no. Until two years ago on Easter, she gave him another ride, and then she said, Dad, would you come to church with me? 
And he says, well, pick me up at 9.30. And she went and got him and she brought him to, to church. I remember talking to him in church. It was like this weird experience of seeing him there. It seemed so out of place. And, and he came and then he stayed. And Bob has been coming to our church every weekend since two years ago on Easter. He gave his life to Jesus one week, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's doing stuff in Bob's life. He's a different man than he was. He's a softer man, and I've seen relationships with him and his kids like never before. You see, we get so scared of a no. There's nothing wrong with a no. A no is just another rung on the ladder towards yes. I'm telling you this. You have to take away that fear in your head of what happens if they say no, because this is the reality. is You're not responsible for that. You are responsible for the invite, not for the answer. Let me just free you from feeling any type of responsibility as to what happens. Let me just take all the weight off your shoulders in regards to the reactions. All you are responsible for is the invite, not the answer. God is responsible for the answer. He works in the Holy Spirit in people's lives. He changes them and he creates what he needs in them. All we are responsible for is to do our job by saying, would you come with me and would you see? We can't persuade people. I'm telling you, you're not persuasive enough. I'm not persuasive enough to invite someone and get someone there. God is doing the work in their heart, and all we're responsible for is the invite. That's it. That's why we can re-gift. And we can be so confident when we do re-gift. Because we know that it's not my ability to get you there. It's what God's doing. All I'm offering is a hand. Come with me and see. This is what I need from you guys, okay? We're right here at Christmas. Next week, we're going to be doing some awesome services. Really, really outward focused. Very much so for people who've never been to church to come in and experience it and understand it. The next week after that, we're doing Christmas Eve. And I'm telling you, for some reason, I don't exactly know why, people will say yes this week who will say no to you the other 51 weeks of the year. I don't know why, but time and time again, we get people who show up on this next weekend or Christmas Eve, and they're the person who's been invited for an entire year, but when they get this invite, they go, okay, I'll come with you to Christmas. I'll come with you to Christmas Eve. For some reason, that happens inside of them. What I need you to do is I need every single person at Acts Church, every person at Acts Church, to take those handouts that are on your seat next to you or underneath you, and I need you to invite three people. I need you to invite three people to come with you and see. Now let me tell you, before you start to make excuses, you have three people. I guarantee you God has given you three people around you. If you say you do not have three people, then go and drive somewhere and hang out and meet three people. And the first three people you meet will be your three people that God gave you, okay? There are people around us. And I'm saying minimum of three because if you invite three, you just might get a chance to hear a yes. Now, you might get three no's. And what do we say? That's okay, right? That's okay. Three rungs on the ladder towards yes. That's fine. I'll see you next time. And maybe next time you have that opportunity. But I'm telling you, all of us need to step outside of that and realize that we need to re-gift an invitation because we never know what God could do with it. Listen, by next year, that person could be sitting next to you in the same service. 
thanking you, saying, thank you for giving me that invitation last year. It changed my life. That each and every one of us need to do this. But here's what's going to happen, okay? You're going to take those invites, you're going to walk back into your daily life, and you're going to wait for that perfect opportunity to invite somebody. And it's never going to come. There is no perfect opportunity to invite someone. None. It will be too awkward. It will be too weird. The situation will seem wrong. And you'll be waiting for that perfect opportunity to invite them. And it will not come. The situation will come and the situation will pass. You need to embrace imperfect opportunities to invite people. Imperfect opportunities to share an invite with somebody. That's what changes people's lives. That's what changes the world. Let me tell you one more story, okay? A couple of our friends here right in church. These are all real stories. You can talk to each and every one of them. Nothing that I've made up. But we got Mike and Amy Davenport who are right down here in the front of our uh, crowd. And uh, Amy said that she was really, really feeling like they were supposed to get their family involved in a church, that there was something that God wanted to do and they needed to find this church. And they couldn't find one. They went some places and just could not link up with the right one. I think she even posted it on Facebook and some people said, hey, you should come and check out Acts. She says, yeah, maybe I will. And one of them was Janet Martin, who's sitting right down on the front row over here to my right. And then one night, Amy went to go pick up a pizza at Casey's. While she was in the Casey's, Janet just so happened to pull in at the exact same time and walk in and bump into her there. And that conversation struck up and Janet said once again, hey, you should come with me and see. Come check out Acts. In fact, she didn't even have the invite on her. She ran back out to her car and got the invite and ran back in and said, here, come and check it out. And Amy even said to me, she says, I don't know if I, if I wouldn't have got that invite if I would have come, to be honest with you. But I went home and I told my husband, I think this is where we're supposed to go. They came. They gave their lives to Jesus. They brought their kids. All their kids gave their lives to Jesus. This last baptism service, we watched all five of their family members get baptized. That's amazing. That's amazing. But listen to me. Listen to me. That's not a perfect situation for an invite, is it? Standing at a Casey's gas station, pizza getting cold. Pizza was late. See? Didn't have, I didn't have the invite on me. I got to run back out to my car and get it. I'm sure Janet probably had second thoughts or a thought through her head, right? Is it awkward for me to do this here at Casey's, right? For my story, you do. For my story, you do. Just for our application of our story. You're more timid in my mind, just so people can connect with you. But you see, listen, listen. Imperfect circumstances. Perfect results. Imperfect circumstances. Perfect results. All it was was just that willingness to say, would you come with me and see? That willingness to step out and embrace an imperfect opportunity to invite somebody. I'm telling you, for so many people, the hardest thing is if they just walk through those doors one time. Because once they come through once, they realize there's people here who I want to be like. There's people here who are like me. 
This isn't a scary place. This is fun. It's interesting. It's engaging. I'm telling you, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but you are blessed to be part of a church who does services that are focused on those who do not want to be in church. 90% of churches are focused on people who want to be at church. When people who come who don't want to be at church, they realize really fast, this is where I do not want to be. It is rare that you're part of a church where you say, when we get to Christmas, instead of it being another family celebration of everything we believe, we say, in fact, we're going to double down on Christmas and we're going to point our message outward to those who need to hear it for the first time. That for us who believe in Jesus, I'll tell you, next week isn't for you. Next week is for those people who God has put around you. And it's our responsibility to invite them, to bring them here so when they hear this message, they can realize that there is a Savior of the universe who wants an intimate relationship with them in their life. This year, would you re-gift an invitation? Let me tell you, it could be the greatest Christmas present you ever give. There could be someone thanking you this next year, saying, thank you so much for giving me that invite. It changed my life. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for what a great God you are. I thank you, Jesus, that you are an inviting God, that your arms stay so wide open, welcoming us in. Jesus, would you give us the confidence to walk into this next week? Lord, to, to take these invites with us, to pick out the people in our minds, here's who I'm going to invite and to step up, even though it's awkward and the situation seems imperfect, but to embrace it and to invite that person and say, would you come with me and see? Would you come with me and see? God, I pray that you would give miraculous results, that you would give the Holy Spirit to people as they do this, that you would do work inside of people's hearts, Jesus. And Lord, we can't wait to see what you do with it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go out there and invite those people. Let's see what happens next week. Who knows, by this time in a couple weeks, our church could be twice the size it is right now. God bless you guys. Have a great week.